Thank you for pressing play on this latest episode of A-Sides. For episode 146, I welcome back my friend Paul, who previously was on episode 130, where Paul, Denny, Smith, and I talked about consuming music habits. So for this episode, I thought we would properly introduce Paul, and we both love thrash metal from the 80s. So I kind of thought Clash of the Titans tour, featuring Megadeth, Slayer, and Anthrax, might be a good way to kind of get Paul back on here to talk about metal, but then we just kind of went all across the board. So I hope this episode is as fun for you to listen to as it was for Paul and I to record it. Thanks for listening to A-Sides. Look, it's rock and roll! And cue music. I'm ready. I'm ready. So I got some basic notes. I got a couple pages. Maybe I'm overthinking it. Not that anybody cares, but like (laughs) you didn't really have a proper introduction. You just jumped in and we started talking with Denny and stuff. So this could kind of be your introduction, like maybe what you were up to maybe in like 91. I know you like these bands, but which are the bands you're passionate about if you're passionate about all of them? And then just go into like because I was thinking, like, this tour is actually, like, it seemed more important than I actually thought because it said, like, the North American, like, they were touring, like, right before the Black Album drop. And then this right. would have been the last tour or the last album with Joey and Anthrax. And then yep. Nirvana blew up right around then. So it's almost like that was, like, a huge, I guess, what they call it, sea change. It was right on the... It was, a, yeah, yeah, it was it, it was right on the cusp of... And I hate... Well, I shouldn't say I hate doing this, but the Metal Evolution, the Thrash episode, yeah, he he does an excellent job of covering this because Scott Ian said that Thrash was as big as it ever been, and then here comes Grunge to kill it. I mean, any momentum Thrash Metal had from the Clash of the Titans tour, and you know the three of the big four basically releasing what people would say is are their best albums. You know, they were on this big tour, three of the big four. They were on tour together, which nobody ever thought would have happened. You know, who do they who do they pick to open? Alice in Chains, which I I used to look at Alice in Chains as the grunge band. But the, the more I've gotten into them over the years and the more I listen to them, I don't call them. I don't think they're grunge. Yeah. And, and I just like I don't agree that I don't think Pearl Jam's is a strict grunge band. I don't think Soundgarden is a strict grunge band. Those bands had so much more to offer. Like a grunge band to me is like Mud Honey yeah. or Tad or, you know, kind of that noisy garage rocky kind of kind of vibe. And Pearl Jam, Allison Chains and Soundgarden just evolved so much more beyond that. I'm not saying that those 
those kind of bands are bad, but a lot of those bands didn't evolve. They just stayed the same the whole time. And but those those three those guys grew and changed and yeah, when I think of them, maybe grunge was more of like I feel like it's more like a look or something like the flannel and the kind of <laughs> you know ripped up jeans oh, and yeah. stuff because it was like different from the glam stuff. I live Yeah, 91, I was in college. I was a year away from graduating college. I remember the Clash of the Titans tour because I did. I wanted to go. And I don't, it was probably being a broke college student is why I didn't go. <laughs> but a friend of mine I used to hang out with all the time, he went. Of course, he gave me crap about it for years. But then I got the last laugh. I actually wound up meeting Slayer in 2000. <laughs> but yeah, he used to give me crap all the time because he went to the show in, in Springfield, the Prairie Capital Convention Center. And he, I remember he just constantly was telling me what a kick-ass show it was. And I'm like, yeah, thanks. You know, I, three of my, three of my favorite bands are touring together and I, I miss it. So that started my whole kind of bent on, Hey, if a band I like comes anywhere close to me, I'm going, yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to let that happen again. So the bands on the tour that we're talking about the clash of the Titans, like you got into them, like, right, basically. I guess not at the start because you were in California, but you got onto them pretty early, right? Oh, yeah, because I remember Ride the Lightning was the first Metallica album I ever heard, and I know I'm not the only one in Pekin, but I, it felt like me and this good friend of mine, his name was Glenn, it felt like he and I were the only ones that knew who they were because everybody that we we told about this Metallica, Ride the who, what, where, and we're like, how, how does nobody not know about these guys? Slayer, I had a friend of mine, and, and I don't know if this is true or not, but a friend of mine claimed that 106 back in the day, he said they had this thing called like Smash or Trash or something along those lines, and they played a Slayer song. And he was like, oh, God, dude, it's the heaviest thing I've ever heard in my life. We got to get we got to check it out. <laughs> so I went to I went to JR's music in the mall. And that's back when they had the import section in the back, which import it wasn't necessarily from Europe, but it was all the indie label stuff and, you know, things that were hard to get. And I ran out there and I bought Slayer Hella Weights. That was the first Slayer thing I'd ever heard. And then Megadeth, I fell into Megadeth kind of about the same time I fell into Metallica, not knowing that Dave was in Metallica. It was just another heavy band from California that I wanted to hear. Yeah. And Peace Tells was the first thing I ever heard from Megadeth. And Anthrax, I remember the first Anthrax album I bought was Spraying the Disease, which was their second album. And I just, I we used to read, this buddy Glenn and I used to read Hit Parader magazine, if you're familiar with that. And back then, they had this section in there called the uh, uh, top hits or hit picks or something like that. And they would always kind of showcase underground or cult kind of bands or brand new bands. And I, man, we tried to buy or listen to everything that they showcased because they're at that time back in 80, this would have been 84 ish, 85. I mean, metal was coming out of the woodwork, but not, not in a way that happened later, like with the clash of the Titans tour. Metal was coming out of the woodwork if you were a metal fan. 
if you knew where to find it, there were just but like mainstreamers, quote unquote, be like, you know, where you where you find all these bands? I never hear them on the radio. Of course, you don't hear them on the radio. They're not going to play that kind of music on the radio, especially around here. Yeah, because you still would have had back then, what, 84, you would have had all the thrash bands coming out. You still would have had, like, the British metal. Yeah, there was the, yeah, New Wave of British Heavy Metal was still kind of a fresh thing. Granted, that was that was after the beginning of that, but it was still considered to be kind of fresh because, you know, Saxon was, the original lineup of Saxon was still together, and Iron Maiden was almost the original lineup, minus Paul Diano and... Well, if you figure that, you know, Number of the Beast still had the original drummer. Yeah. So a lot of that stuff was still, quote unquote, new. And it was awesome. It was almost like you couldn't I, imagine imagine that back then without streaming or digital or you had to go buy this stuff. Yeah. There, there wasn't a, a way to sample it online or, you know, you if you wanted to hear a band, you had to go. A, you had to find it, and B, you had to buy it. Because <laughs> there weren't any places around here that had, like, listening stations or sampling, you know, because I know record stores back in the, like, late 90s, early 2000s, you know, would have, like, certain bands would be, like, featured, and they'd have CD stations, and you could actually listen to the songs or listen to the albums. Didn't have that back then. So Rock of Ages, record store Rock of Ages, John and I got to be good friends just because I would go in there literally every week and go hey you got this you got this you got this have you heard of this and john was pretty in tune with that kind of stuff and i about a quarter to almost half of the stuff i would take to him and ask you know do you have this he's like yeah it's right over there that was it was awesome times man it really was because it was just constant because hit prater came out every month and it was almost like every week there were different bands we were discovering because not only would we, would we find out about hit prater and read about them in Hit Parader. But then we'd talk to our friends that were into similar music, and they would say, yeah, if you like them, check these guys out. Well, I've never heard of that. And it was incredible. It was it was a, it was was a a fun time to be a metal fan back then. It really was. Were you getting this on cassettes or uh, vinyl or just whatever you could get? It was mostly cassettes. If I couldn't find it on cassette, I would buy it on vinyl to have it. Yeah. But 95% of what it was was cassettes, yeah. So you could put and, it in the car and stuff and drive around? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I spent a lot of money in my close to graduating high school, early college days on stereo equipment out of Marlowe's. If if you're, if you're you haven't heard of Marlowe's stereo, if you know where La Gondola is in Pekin, oh, that yeah. shopping, the shopping plaza behind it where J.J. Vapes is, Marlowe's mm-hmm. was next door. And a matter of fact, the mail slot, the last time I was out there, the mail slot still says Marlowe's key drop. Because oh, you could drop your you could drop your car off and have them put your stereo in if you had something to do or whatever. Yeah, so it still says Marlowe's Key Drop, even though Marlowe's has been closed for many moons now. Oh, but I spent a lot of money at Marlowe's on car stereo stuff. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, you were talking about bands I was into back then. You know, obviously the Big Four, Testament, Exodus, all all the Bay Area stuff. I got you know Death Angel, Possessed. You know, Possessed. I I always championed Possessed because not only were they considered one of the first death metal bands ever, their guitar player was Larry Lalonde, who went on to more more fame and fortune with Primus. 
Oh, damn. And it just, cra- it, it just cracks me up that to listen to what he plays in Primus, and he was in this death metal band. It just cracks me up. But, <laughs> yeah, we were, we, me and my buddies, we loved all this, the Bay Area thrash, and we also got into, like, the 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 European bands like Venom, Merciful Fate, uh, Creator, you know, German band Creator. It would blow your mind, but it's just, I mean, it still does to me today. I don't even need the the list of substances because I listen to, you know, though I go back and listen. I still listen to a lot of that stuff to this day. Exodus is one of my all-time favorite bands. I eagerly await every release by them because I love Gary Holt. I love his guitar playing. And they are one of the few bands from back in that day that is still playing, you know, 100% true thrash. They haven't really changed their style i mean i think they've evolved as musicians but they haven't really changed their style they still played you know balls out thrash metal <laughs> uh you know megadeth still love megadeth not as much as i used to just because i think dave's a whack job well, you and i have discussed this many times just privately but you can't deny the dude's musicality i mean he's he is one hell of a talented guitar player he's just he just needs to shut his mouth and he's been like yeah. that since <laughs> Frickin' 1983 when Metallica kicked him out. You know, he's never been able to keep his mouth shut. But Anthrax, I still listen to them. I People give me shit because I'm a big fan of the John Bush era Anthrax albums. I won't give you, know, you people, shit for that because I like that stuff well, too. Oh, yeah. I, I get a lot of people like, oh, John Bush era sucks. No, it doesn't. Those are some of the, those are great albums. And they even kind of almost went, there were two albums there of, uh, uh Stomp 442 and Volume 8, they were almost alternative. Yeah. You know, it was like alternative music with super distorted guitar. And I guess that's what made it metal, because it was Anthrax and they had distorted guitar. Metallica, I lost interest for a number of years. Just not because of the Black... Well, yeah, I I have to admit it. The Black album came out. I was like, this is not the Metallica I know and love. This is, you know, hell, they're, they're turned into arena rock. That being said, I do like the Black Album, and I actually saw that tour. I, I, hell, they opened that tour in Peoria. The first night of that tour was in Peoria. But their last couple, like Death, Death Magnetic and Seventy Two Seasons, I think are fantastic records. Yeah, and hard and hardwired. And yet you got these people who they fucking suck. Have you listened to the music? Because it's good. It's really good stuff. Like Seventy Two Seasons, I think some of it is one of their best albums. Oh, is it I their agree, best yeah. work? Is it their best work? No, I don't. I'm not going to call it their best album, but it's it's a damn fine album. It's a really good album. But people don't want to hear it because oh, it's Metallica. They're still stuck in that mindset of load their load and reload era where they cut. Oh my God, they cut their hair, you know, and they started writing ballads. And James tried to actually sing. Who cares? I don't understand. I I feel like I got diarrhea of the mouth here, but I don't understand. Why people get upset when bands grow and adapt and change, I, I don't get it. I don't judge people for it, but I just don't understand it. It's like, why wouldn't you want your... Yeah. I mean, yeah, a band like ACDC, you're going to get what you've gotten for 40 years. They're, that's what they do, and they're damn good at it. But a band like Metallica or Ghost even, you know, people hate Ghost because, oh, you know, it's fucking pop with you know alice cooper makeup have you listened to the music it's really good music i guess we're kind of going off the rails but i I, i'll take it more off the rails i don't care but i don't know if i've texted you because we've texted a lot off air or whatever or all the time but 
you just reminded me of a thought or like a belief that I've had for like a while is that when anybody's like, I like Metallica, but like, there's always a, but there, but I don't like this era or, um, but I don't like this or I like this band, but why do you even need to add the, but and all that stuff? Just say that you like Metallica. Nobody's out there like, you know, checking your uh, card to see, you know, what, um, I don't know. Nobody should actually be, if they are, they're like a dick, but nobody should really be like calling you out for that. Like, right. if you say you like Metallica, I'm just going to be like, hell yeah, you like Metallica too. I'm not going to be like, oh, well, but do you like only the classic album or do you only like these <laughs> albums? Because there was a guy uh, that I used to talk to a lot more frequently and because uh, I was a wrestling fan, and I'm like, well, I hate the new stuff, but I like the old stuff. And he's like, well, you can like this without liking the whole whole thing. Even Star Trek, there's like Star Trek, or there's Star Trek New Generation, or there's Star Trek Deep Space Nine. You don't have to, you do not have to like everything. You can pick and choose what you like. Yeah, So exactly. So, yeah, so, so that's what I'm saying. Like, people should just be like, I like Metallica. Hey, me too. Cool. Or yeah, you know, why yeah. do you have to? For add the pur- yeah, for purposes of this podcast, this conversation. I mean, that's why I said I love Metallica. I always have, I always will. There, it's just like Getty. Getty said on the Rush documentary. He goes, there are fans that have that have joined us, quote unquote, and left us at various points in our career. And he's like, I can't fault him for that. You know, we they were expecting this type of music from us, and when we didn't provide it, they left. Yeah. Say la vie, you know, we're we're being true to ourselves. That's what they're they're being true to themselves. If they don't like that kind of mu- that style of music we're playing, hey, my hat's off to you. It's the same way with Metallica. I don't throw butt in there. I don't go, I like Metallica, but I don't do that. I like Metallica. Yeah. Are there eras of Metallica I don't like? Of course. But it doesn't keep me from liking them. Yeah. That just that's that kind of piggybacks on that when fans get upset when their ba- when their when their bands, you know, grow or change. Well, fuck them why you know does that mean you just you hate everything else they put out just because of that one album or that one period of time it's just it i don't it doesn't make any sense to me but yeah you know getting back on topic as far as like those those early bands i mean and what what I love about those early thrash bands, the ones that I got into, they're they're still around. You know, the big four's still around. You know, Testament, granted, they've had a ton of lineup changes, but Alex Skolnick's back in the band, yeah. and Eric Peterson and Chuck Billy, they've been there the whole time, you know, the singer and the other guitar player. Megadeth, through their myriad of, you know, membership changes, they're still around. Exodus is still around. For for people that don't know thrash that kind of that kind of brushed it off, saying it's a passing fad or whatever, it really those some of these bands are forty years on, they're still out there doing it. So that's like every every music magazine you've ever seen. They always it seems like you always had that issue: is heavy metal dead or heavy metal's dead? Is it really? Because as far as I'm concerned, it's started with Black Sabbath, and here we are, fifty four years later, and there's still bands still bands that brand new bands that are putting out killer music killer heavy metal music i still believe that thrash metal is relevant oh yeah and well you, I, I mean the only reason i say it is because people think thrash metal they, they immediately think clash the titans and it's an 80s thing no it's not <laughs> you know it's still going on it's still a thing 
And there's guys like me, you know, that I was born in 84, the same year you're talking about Ride the Lightning coming out. There's people who are like inspired by those bands. So they're starting their own thrash bands or. Exactly. I mean, you got kids. I say this for purposes of the podcast. Privately, you know, I call you young. You, I call you young Andrew. Yeah. But (laughs) your, your taste in music belies your age, you know, because there's, like you said, there, fuck, there's kids that are born in 1990 you know or 1995 let's even let's bring it up even that that are influenced by that stuff because they're smart enough they're curious enough that they hear a band that they like when they turn teenage years and they go where did this come from or who influenced these guys or wow these guys started in 1982 let's go backtrack and listen to their original output and that's I, i love that that's refreshing you know for for young kids to get into music and not just stay with what's current, yeah. but find out, dig deep and find out what either A, where this came from, or B, how these guys got started, or C, how these, who these guys were influenced by. I'm one of these weirdos that if I'm into something, I go all out, 150%. And music's been one of those things. And John from Rock of Ages started that because I would talk to him about bands. And he'd be like, oh, yeah, well, he was in this band, and they put this album out, blah, blah. And I'd just be like, whoa, dude, you know, how do you know all this stuff? <laughs> just research, man, you know, looking it up. And, and that's what I've, that's what I do when I like something, when I'm into something, I go full bore. Uh, my wife's always like, well, if I ever, if I'm ever in a trivia contest and you're not with me and it's a music related question, I'll use my phone a friend to call you. It's just one of those things that I'm into. And, so for me to see these, like you said, these young kids that, were, that weren't even born when this stuff came out get into it, that's really cool. One of the things I, I've been getting into lately is, is jazz, the genre jazz. I mean, my God, most of those people that were considered influential figures have been dead for, you know, close to 60, 80 years. But yeah. here I am listening, listening to music that was made in the 20s and the 30s. And I think you've seen my Facebook posts where, even music that was made back then, it's still new to you if you've never heard it before. Yeah. And that's one of the, that's one of the things I love about music. Music is new to me if I've never heard it before. That's what I like. Like I like that there's still older bands or older artists that I can discover who like, yeah, are like new to me. Like, I don't know. I keep finding other bands like, oh man, how come I haven't heard of this band before? So. Yeah, there there's there's been times where you've posted bands I've never heard of. You know, Denny, Denny Smith, I, we talked about this, that last podcast that he and I were both on, he introduced me to tons of great bands. If you just follow like-minded people on Facebook, you'll discover all kinds of great music. I guess we never really even said, or I never said, which bands were actually officially on this tour. So it was the first leg in 1990. You had Megadeth, Slayer, and Testament, and Suicidal Tendencies. That's another band that we we hit on the other three, but we didn't touch on Suicidal. Was that a band that you were into back then? Oh, yeah. That was, and my my hardcore punk friends are going to cringe, but that was my introduction to punk. It suicidal tendencies really was my intro to punk, and I've always looked at suicidal as more of a crossover band. 
they were a they were a punk band with metal sensibilities. Yeah. But through them led me to, you know, like Minor Threat and GBH and Bad Religion and, you know, uh DOA. Just those my uh those great black flag, you know, the bands that you hear about, but a lot of them didn't release a whole lot of material or material they did release was very they didn't release a lot, you know. Like Minor Threat, that they have that complete discography, they call it, and it's one it, it all fits on one CD. <laughs> Every song they ever recorded fits on one CD. But you know, they get name checked so much because of they were a great band. You know, even Minor Threat's guitar slash bass player, Brian Baker, he's in he's been in bad religion now almost 30 years, which blows my mind. Because those metal guys, those that to me, that's how you got thrash metal was the new wave of British heavy metal guys listening to hardcore punk. Yeah. You got those metal riffs with punk speed and aggression, and there's that's that's the basic definition for thrash metal as, as far as I'm concerned. You know, you listen to any of those guys from the big four, you know, uh especially Dave Lombardo, he 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 wears his punk influences on his sleeve. He's like, that's how Slayer became Slayer. We were listening to like Venom and Motorhead and Judas Priest, but then we were listening to Dead Candies and Minor Threat and Black Flag and went, holy shit. So we married that aggression with metal's riffs, and there's that's thrash metal right there. I can't think of any metal band from that, especially from the beginning, you know, the, the origins of metal slash thrash metal, where you can't you won't hear you won't hear some punk influences because it it they were definitely influenced by punk alex skolnick from testament he's like what i loved about punk was you had great songs they might not necessarily been great musicians but the songs were awesome so i he took that and married that with you know what a phenomenal musician he is i mean god he he plays in a jazz trio on the side i don't know if you've ever heard alex skolnick's jazz stuff but he you know he's one of those well-rounded guitar players (laughs) he can do anything but yeah, anyway, the I thought that I thought that leg was the European leg was suicidal. I might be wrong. Yeah, that was yeah that was the the nineteen ninety. And then I even like went back and forgot about it. That Megadeth box set thing had a live album from that Clash of the Titans tour. This is Hanger eighteen. <laughs> American version was Megadeth, Anthrax, Slayer, and Alice in Chains. Yeah, but Death Angel was supposed to open that, and that's when they got in that tour bus accident, and uh, so that's how that's how Alice in Chains wound up on the bill because yeah. Death Angel couldn't do it. You feel sorry for Death Angel. It's like damn because they wound up actually breaking up for a number of years. But uh, you know that's how Alice in Chains became a household name. You know, opening that tour. Yeah, I love to hear. I love Scott Ian describes it perfectly. He's like, yeah, man, people were booing them and throwing bottles of piss at them. And, you know, Allison changed to their credit, you know, stood tall, middle fingers flying. And then Scott Ian goes, yeah, as soon as man, man, the box dropped, everybody that was throwing piss ran out and bought that CD, <laughs> which they probably did. Because I remember when Allison Chains first hit, they were heavy, but they were different. That's why I said, I don't really look yeah. at them as a grunge band at all. Because here was something that I even looked up too. They came out with that first album, Facelift, in like 1990. Mm-hmm. And then I think it said that this album 
it was a year old when they started uh, their leg of the Clash of the Titans tour. It went gold then. Wow. So yeah, people were buying it. People were loving it. Backtracking on what I said about I don't consider Allison Chains a grunge band. Listen to Facelift and then listen to Dirt. And you yeah. can totally see the, the evolution of that band and the progression of that band. You know, even even throw Jar of Flies in there, you know, or Sap, the, the acoustic EP. You could see them growing and evolving. And so that's why I don't, I've never considered Allison Chains a grunge band. I, they're a rock band. You know, I, I'm one of these guys. I can't stand all the, the subgenres of music. Yeah. Because it just gets to the point of ridiculousness, and and Sean Kenny says it best on the on the I think it's the grunge episode of Metal Evolution where <laughs> Sam Dunn says, "Are you guys heavy metal?" And he goes, "No, we're way more aluminum." <laughs> <laughs> oh God! <laughs> but that's really a yeah. perfect description for them because you know, aluminum is a very versatile uh, alloy. Yeah. You know, Allison Chains is a versatile band. They, they're not a one trick pony. Like a lot of those grunge bands were. See, cause that's what I think is cool is like, they do have that sound where I feel like they can hang with those bands, the clash of the Titans bands, but then they can hang with like, I don't know, Lollapalooza bands and they can hang with even Jerry Cantrell's doing a tour this year with Bush and Candlebox. Yeah. Or something, and then they even I saw them open up for Guns and Roses. Yep, I saw Allison Chains on was that Lala three they were on because I went to Lala Palooza two and three, and I think they were on oh, three. Wow. I'm not going to judge Jerry for this because I love Jerry Cantrell, but he loves Nickelback for crying out loud, and he's even guested on on some of their albums and played live with them. You know, hey, yeah. if that if if you like if you dig it, Jerry, more power to you because I I love your material. I'm not going to judge you for it. <laughs> If you look back at those times, the few thrash bands that were still that were still viable, I guess is a good word for it, like, you know, still touring and that. Yeah. A lot of those thrash bands, they they took those early grunge bands and alternative bands on tour. I remember I saw flyers for like uh it was either X it was one of the Bay Area bands and Faith No More opened for them. The thrash bands were pretty open minded as far as who they'd take on tour. You know, the big, the, you know, Megadeth, Slayer, and Anthrax took Allison Change, you know, Exodus open or Faith No More opening for Exodus or whatever. I saw another flyer that was uh, Static X open for Pantera and Morbid Angel. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's kind of a lateral move, but Static X yeah. is almost, they were almost industrial. You know, they, they were, yeah, they were metal because they had heavy guitars, but as far as the drum beats and, and the drum sound, I would even almost call them an industrial band. So th those those metal guys were pretty open-minded. Speaking of bands, and you said metal bands are maybe more open with who they bring out on tour. Well, this was something I was thinking about when I was making notes for this. So I want your opinion because I don't okay. know if like I started thinking maybe Dave Mustaine is a genius or then I started thinking, well, maybe he's just trying to piggyback onto something because on this tour, Clash of the Titans in 91, they had Alice in Chains opening 
and you had told me previously that in 92 you saw Megadeth and STP, right? And then you had mentioned, I think, Static X. I think later on in like 99, the Risk Tour, I think somebody had told me that Megadeth played the Madison, and I think Static X opened up with them when Static X was coming out. And I then, think you're right there. I uh, So then even later, like I know they've taken out other um, younger bands or something, so I'm just wondering, I was like, man, maybe Dave Mustaine is a genius. He's hip to what's new and hot, so he's going to pick these bands to tour with. Or I just thought maybe he's just trying to piggyback off that. I'm laughing because I could see both sides of that coin. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, you, if you remember, when that first Stone Temple Pilots album came out, people were calling them a metal band. And I, I, I've I, never once called Stone Temple Pilots a metal band. If if I had to categorize them as anything, they were more grunge than metal. Yeah. But again, I hate subgenres. I, Stone Temple Pilots were a great rock band. And yeah, Megadeth and Stone Temple Pilots on the on the Countdown to Extinction tour at the Bone Student Center at ISU. That was a show I saw, and that's when nobody the uh, sex type thing was just blowing up. Everybody there was literally ninety five percent of the audience was there to see Megadeth because when they when they played Stone Temple Pilots played, people were like, "Who the hell's this?" You know, nobody knew who they were. I oh, think, yeah, I think you told me in a text years ago. You're like, "Yeah, people are like, who's this purple haired guy?" Yeah, he either had purple or bright purple or bright green hair. I can't remember which. <laughs> I think he went through all the colors at one point. But yeah, because when they came out, I didn't even really know who they were. Like I said, sex type thing was just starting to blow up. And I'm like, okay, we'll see who these what these guys are about. I I couldn't I couldn't tell you a one song they played that show because they mm-hmm. were brand new. But they were good. I mean, they nobody booed them. They didn't get booed off stage or anything. But I think Dave as much of a jerk as, as a, as he can be as a person, I think musically he's pretty well-rounded like Fu Manchu. You've heard me talk about the band Fu Manchu, yeah. which they don't, they don't really belong in this discussion because they're newer and they're more stoner rock, but I've seen them twice, both times. Well, one time they had one opening band and the other time they had two opening bands. Both times I saw them, I had no clue who the opening bands were. And both times I walked away fans of the opening bands because they were that good. Oh, cool. So there are bands out there that kind of take they take that into consideration, like who let's have somebody good open up for us. And maybe it's somebody that these people haven't heard. I'd like to think that maybe Dave's that way, but I can also see Dave being, you know, who's going to garner us a little more audience shares, who's going to garner us, you know, yeah. a little more, a little more fan base here. You know what I mean? So I can see both sides of that coin, but I, I like to think Mustaine's one of those guys. I, I definitely separate the art from the artist with Dave Mustaine. He's one of them. You know, I love his music. I love his guitar playing. I just can't stand to hear him talk. 41 years later, he's still bitching about getting kicked out of Metallica. It's like, dude, you've had your own stellar career now since then. Why are you still bitter about this? It just blows my mind. I don't even know. Sometimes maybe it's people interviewing him. They're asking about that. But then I would think like, because I know... Brent, when he did one of these interviews for the podcast by himself, he had to submit questions to somebody in advance, too. So, like, why don't their PR person filter that before they talk to him, too? You know, so maybe I think I want to give him the benefit of the doubt, but maybe like, I don't know. It's probably both or something. It seems like it seems like he's softened 
on that stance here in the last few years because I think I even sent you the link. When he signed with Gibson Guitars to produce his, you know, signature guitar, they posted on their website of quite an extensive interview with him. I think it's like almost an hour long. And he's got nothing but love for Metallica. And I was when I watched that interview, I'm like, okay, again, the questions pop up. Is this Dave softening his stance or is this Gibson's pockets talking? Yeah. Because they're building him this artist guitar and they might have went to him and said, Look, we don't want to hear nothing about, you know, we yeah. don't want to hear anything about that. Who knows? Oh but, yeah, he's getting he's getting money with that interview, but if you would talk to some like dude like me, you know, he's not getting anything out of it. So he's just you know. <laughs> <laughs> But I've I've heard I've heard and read other interviews with him in the last, let's just say five, eight years, where it's been brought up and he kind of brushes it off. So I don't know. He's considered one of the big four bands with Metallica. What more yeah. of a legacy do you want than that? I mean, that's a great legacy to have. I'm not him, yeah. and I don't, I don't profess to know how he thinks. But if that were me, I'd be like, you know what, dude? That's old news. Just I'm not even going to ask that question. That's old news. Yeah. Let's move on. You know, that's what I would say. Rather than feeding that fire, and just oh well, the guys asked me about. It, I better say yeah. You know, fuck James and Lars. They suck. You know. Come on. He's probably still got to be getting checks from Metallica, if you think about it, because uh, they put out live albums or, like, DVDs, like, recording, like, I don't know, Creeping Death or something. And I think he's credited on, like, half of the first two albums, so he's still got to be getting some kind of, like, residual. Exactly, yeah. He's credited on, I think, half of the songs on Kill Em All, and I know at least one on Ride the Lightning. Yeah, I think Ride so, the Lightning yeah, and Creeping Death. I'm sure he's getting I'm sure he's yeah. getting royalties for that but so I'm sure he's crying all the way to the bank obviously but because you know Metallica my god if you had showed 1984 me what Metallica is now I'd have told you you were fucking crazy there's no I never would have dreamt that band would have reached the heights they've reached and more power to them you know somebody had to do it that's the way I look at that you know the the people call Black Sabbath the godfathers of heavy metal well who's next well, if anybody deserves that title, it's Metallica, just based yeah. on sales alone. But I know there's probably going to be people that are going to flame me in the comments for saying that. But Metallica, people that hate, like, especially me, people that either hate or don't care for mid-era Metallica, you know, Load, Reload, those albums, go listen to Garage Incorporated. And I always tell people, listen to Garage Incorporated because that'll show you what a phenomenal band they are. What yeah. how those four how those four guys well at the time it was Jason, but now it's Robert, but both excellent bassists. That just shows you how well those guys gel as musicians. Because that that two albums, well, I mean half of them are old songs, but it just shows you what a great band they are, what great musicians they are. With the echoes of the amplifiers ringing in your head. You smoke the day's last cigarette. Remembering what she said What she said I don't know if anybody could have pulled that off with them. I mean, Turn the Page by Bob Seger? Who'd have thought a metal band would have covered that song? Yeah. You know, it's just it blows my mind, but it's just... Same thing with Slayer. You know, if you if you'd told 1984 me that Slayer would be done now, I'd have said you were crazy. 
or that Megadeth would have went through, you know, however many freaking musicians have waltzed through that band over the last 30 years. I said, you're crazy. I figured, you know, it'd either be the uh, Peace Souls lineup or the Rust and Peace lineup. Yeah, forever. You know, Nick and Marty, or, you know, Gar and Chris, you know, yeah, forever, man. <laughs> That's hardly been the case. Or Anthrax would have went alternative for a few years. I, I just, I, it's interesting to look back with those lenses and just go, man, I just remember those days just, my life being carefree, you know, cause I was in high school, you know, it was all about just listening to metal and getting high. <laughs> I mean, I can be honest about that now. I've been sober for a number of years, so I still don't do that. Thank God. But I'd probably be dead if I still did it. But you know, those were some pretty innocent times and it was, and it was just amazing the amount of bands that were coming out then. It's really no different now because I can go on Apple or Spotify or Amazon music or whatever and punch in heavy metal or thrash metal or you know what i mean or doom metal and just hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of artists come up of bands i've never heard of yeah. so it's even it's almost even better now than it was back then it was just harder to come by back then easy as that you know it wasn't like that back then if you bought an album that had one good song on it and you got nine stinkers you were like oh man that sucks what a waste now you just hit delete <laughs> or push next and, you, and it's good to go oh my God, how do I put this it was cool to find my own way you know because I listened to me like my first music loves was like the Beatles and 50s rock and roll because my dad had an old reel to reel player and it was and he had like two reels full of old 50s rock and roll i fell in love with that old 50s rock and roll stuff and the beatles and not saying i don't love that stuff now but it was that was from my dad and it was kind of cool to find my own way to, to to find music that i loved that you know something that i discovered and something that i loved and one of the one of the genres that my dad liked a lot that I'm just now getting into is what I talk about jazz. My dad liked jazz back then. I couldn't stand it. And then I watched that Ken Burns documentary on jazz, and that kind of refueled my interest in it. And so I started looking up the artists that my dad liked on iTunes, and I started digging in deep there. And I I've been listening to jazz now for quite a while. I don't know shit about the genre. I I can name a few of the the defining figures in in that genre but i don't yeah i don't speaking of of heavier genres or even we we talked about punk dwight yoakam got famous opening for punk bands in california you know he he knew that he knew that he probably wasn't going to make it in nashville because you know he felt that you know singers like him were a dime a dozen so he wound up going to california he's from ohio originally he moved to California and that's where he got his start. And he, he wound up opening for punk bands and that's how Dwight Yoakam got popular. And so it's just like, <laughs> it, it, if you look at it and you think about it long enough, it's always one big melting pot. Here's one band that I guess it's not a thrash band, but you got me curious. When did you get into MC5? Cause that would kind of be like, was that around when you were getting into punk bands? MC5 was a I'm a I'm a very late comer to the MC5. Oh, I don't okay. know when I was 
hanging out a good buddy of mine dave god rest his soul he passed away a couple years ago but dave's the one that turned me on to black sabbath and he also turned me on to to punk uh you know like true punk and bad religion is one of the bands he turned me on to that's been one of my favorites forever but he had a friend his name was kyle kyle steppy was his name some of your listeners may know about the steppy boys they were in a they were in a punk band in chicago called negative element and the steppies were kind of legends in this area because they they came from chicago and moved to peoria and kind of brought they kind of helped bring punk to the peoria area well kyle he was a rabid collector of vinyl and he loved the mc5 and back then i was i was a metal or metal or nothing guy and he's like yeah mc5 they were banned out of detroit in the early 60s or late 60s as soon as i heard 60s I don't want it, you know, that's hippie stuff. I wish I'd known because the MC5 were anything but hippies. And then I got into uh, Detroit, the history of the city of Detroit. I started getting into that. Up pops the MC5 and the Stooges. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember the MC5 from that guy, Kyle, you know. I started listening to music. I'm like, holy shit, why didn't I, why wasn't I listening to these guys 20 years ago? And that's kind of how I got into the MC5 was getting into the history of the city of Detroit which got me into, you know, the Stooges and, and another band called Sonic's Rendezvous Band, whom the helicopters cite heavily as influences. That was uh, Sonic Smith, MC5's guitarist. That was his band post-MC5, Sonic's Rendezvous Band. And people jokingly refer to them as the most, as the, the most famous band you've never heard of. Because oh. it had, it had uh, Sonic from MC5, uh, Ron Ashton from the Stooges, and uh, Scott Morgan, who was a, a famous Detroit soul singer, he was uh, actually a white, a blue-eyed soul singer. And if you listen to those Sonic Rendezvous band recordings, they were amazing. The only reason they weren't more well-known is Sonic Smith just didn't want to tour. They were big in Detroit and kind of the regional area, and that was about it because Sonic didn't want didn't want to make them any more famous. look back at like especially the stooges and mc5 you could call them the godfathers of punk and metal just because of the way punk because of their their attitude and what they sang about but metal in their delivery you know because the, the mc5 you go back and listen to the mc5's first album kick out the jams it's a, it's a live album that's balls right there putting out a live album as your yeah. first album but if you listen to it i mean that's proto heavy metal and they're saying kick out the jams motherfuckers in the middle of peace and love and the summer of love and they were not if you listen to wayne kramer he's like the summer of love did not stop in detroit you know we were all about you know we were all about kick out the jams motherfuckers that's what they were talking about i know how you feel about jack black but um there was something i had on my as a wallpaper on my computer for a long time and i don't know if it was ever really shown in the school of rock movie but it's him i think he has a chalkboard and it's almost like this chart of all these bands where it's like, okay, here's rock. And then there's all these offshoots. 
And the picture I had was him in his School of Rock thing, and he's pointing at the board like this. And I don't know if they ever really um, zoomed in on that chalkboard in the movie or not. So or is he is he it. pointing is he pointing at something MC Five related or Detroit or it just or am I has, thinking of something else? I was just mentioning it because it says like rock, and then there's like punk rock, and then like, oh okay okay yeah like like, like a family tree metal. kind of a thing. And it's almost like a family tree of like metal. So what you're saying is all that stuff. He basically I don't know if he did it, but I mean it's almost like a chart of all the bands, and you can chart them back to the start. I don't know if you've seen that documentary series Metal Evolution or not. Oh yeah, I did. Um, oh my god, because it was on that VH1 Classic thing, and I don't know right, if that channel yeah. exists anymore. I don't think it does either. But I'll be the first to admit that there are people that can talk about this way more eloquently than I can, and they oh, know yeah. more than I. Bob Long and Denny Smith are two that jump right to right to the front of my mind. I you know I love talking music with those guys because they're you know they know a hell of a lot more than I do. But Sam Dunn is one of those guys. You know, he's the guy that did that metal evolution. Sam Dunn, I love everything he's done. And he did a, a metal family tree. As a matter of fact, I think he sells posters of it on his website. But it's a it's it's a awesome depiction of how he went from I think he goes back even to classical music and oh, comes man. forward with he comes forward into like, you know, early proto metal bands like Blue Cheer and Black Sabbath and and Thin Lizzy and Motorhead and he he flows it all down into you know current genres you know and it's just it's a really cool thing and and stuff like that fascinates me you know when people show how you can draw a line from this band that was popular in the 50s or 60s to a band that's popular now yeah. you can draw that line through all the influences and connect the dots it's kind of like I was saying if if I had enough time I could connect Slayer to Hank Williams I know I could, but it would take yeah. me a while because, you know, you know, me and music, I get talking music. I get diary of the mouth. I just can't shut up. <laughs> Even if a symphony or like the classical music, like you just mentioned, what popped in my head was Metallica, how like they did the S&M with the uh, symphony. But it sounded like it wouldn't be that much of a stretch because a lot of that stuff that they did, like with Cliff in that era, was so... How would I say? Like, I don't know the right word for that, but it was very like structured it's, in some way of like it would be easy to just mix that together. This this is reducing it to its basis terms, but it's very symphonic. It's very yeah. it's very epic material. If you listen to Holtz, the the classical composer Holtz, I think it's pronounced. He had a a series called The Planets, and I think the suite about Mars. Tony Iommi ripped that off note damn near note for note for the song black sabbath and they and they play it in metal evolution and i it blew my mind i'm like oh my god it, that is classical music huh. and like <laughs> and just and justice for all that album has got really those long drawn out compositions yeah. to me it's mod it's modern classical music that i mean classical music purists would want to punch me in the face for saying that but Progressive metal, especially bands like you know Mastodon and 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 Queensrÿche back when they weren't fighting amongst each other and you know, Operation <laughs> Mindcrime, Rush. To me, that's modern classical music because those guys approach that music much the same way I feel a classical composer approaches it. Yeah. You know, well this this has got to go here and that's got to go there. It's not just hey, let's bang out a one uh, a one four five chord progression and you know they're actually thinking about well 
here's what the drums should be doing here. And here's what the guitar should be doing here. And the bass player should be doing that. You know what I mean? It's almost like a classical composition. maybe one last thought along those lines too is like something i noticed even today and i kind of laughed to myself all of those bands love to start out a song with acoustic guitar and then just bam melt your face <laughs> off after like 30 seconds yep well if you think about it metallica did it on ride light or yeah ride lightness fade to black yeah and then they did it with you know battery and damage incorporated and you know testament and souls of black Megadeth. I'm trying to think of a Megadeth song that does that. It Maybe the, uh, I can't think of what it was. I'm drawing a blank, but it's on their third album. The so far so good. So what the? Um, my darkest hour. Yeah. To me, that's that classical thing where you're you're building a mood or you're building a yeah. moment. That's why I consider a lot of metal to be modern day classical music because it's building that piece of music it's not just like i said oh let's just bang out a one four five chord progression put four four time behind it only double speed and that's punk <laughs> but you know because yeah. i think metal metal bands i mean look at uh, mastodon you know mastodon a lot of their songs are are structured the same way that they're longer pieces i wouldn't necessarily call them riff based because they change moods and they change riffs so many times in song yeah. within the song but Metallica was even was even experimenting that with with that kind of stuff back on Ride Call the Cthulhu. Oh, you know, sure, yeah. All they all they would have had to have done is put lyrics over that, and it would have been you know an epic Metallica. I mean, it already is an epic Metallica song, but there's no lyrics to it. I love bands that do that because it to me it makes the heavier parts even heavier. If they start off kind of kind of slowly ramp it up with the electric guitars, or they start off with acoustic and then just pow hit you in the face with that electric. That's awesome because I think that just makes the heavier parts even that much more heavy. Yeah, because I could see this. I, like, I can see this now. You and your friends, you get like, I don't know, like Ride the Lightning or something. And you're like, what is it? Fight Fire with Fire or something where it's got that kind of like, quiet thing. So you're like, oh man, this is kind of quiet. I'm going to turn up my stereo real loud. And then it just goes, bam. And it kicks in. And you're probably like, holy shit. <laughs> truth be told, what blew me away on what blew me away the first listen to Fight Fire with Fire was that drum break. You know, because I was, I was when I heard the the twelve string guitar, the acoustic intro, I was like, okay, this is going to be good, this is going to be epic, and you know, and it does that fade in. But what blew me away on Fight Fire with Fire was that double bass drum break that Lars does. It's just like, wow. I remember I played that for a friend of mine uh, who was a drummer, but he wasn't a big metalhead. I I'm like, dude, listen to this. And we were on the bus. They ran a shuttle bus because Peak and High School used to be two different campuses. Oh, and they wrote, yeah, where Dollar General is on Broadway. Mm -hmm. That was the original. That was that was the freshman sophomore campus. That was called West Campus, and East Campus is the main school now. But they used to run a shuttle bus between the campuses. And me and this guy Randy, he was a drummer, and I'm like, dude, listen to this. And when that double bass drum, double bass drum break came, he's just his eyes just like he's like, no way, he's no way that dude's doing that. He's that that can't be real. And I'm like, yeah, it is, man, it is. <laughs> so yeah, it's just to me that. I never could, you could never picture a band like Slayer doing that. They've had some songs with like 
for lack of a better word, a clean intro, clean picked, but it's not an acoustic, it's an electric. But Slayer has done that where they've built a mood with, you know, like the song called Spill the Blood. It starts off with this clean picking and it just hits you in the face when, you know, they tear in the electric guitars because, you know, one of them hits the riff and the other one does this epic pick slide. Like, oh boy, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for chatting with me, man. This is awesome. You know me, man. I'm always up for a good talk about music, and I want to apologize to you and the listeners if I went off on several tangents. It's just, it's a bad habit of mine, man. I just want to, I just love this. I love music so much, and I love talking music. And once I get going, I can think of, while I'm talking, I'm thinking of six other things I could be saying. It's just, it's a bad habit. So, oh, it's all I'm the same way. Like, I get off on the (laughs) off topic really easily, but, uh, it's also the same way, too, is because we don't really get to do this. We'll just text each other all the time. So it was cool to have a face-to-face and just get it all well, we'll have Well, we'll definitely have good face-to-face conversation, too, coming up in May for the Bad Religion Social D show. Yeah, I owe you That'll be that a good one. time. So. Yeah, don't take time. Don't worry about it. Well, thanks for hanging out, man. This is cool. Thanks for inviting me. I appreciate it, as always. Yeah.